Excuse me. 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 everybody, and welcome to Morgandorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at Season 3, Episode 9, Jake of Hearts, in which Jake has a minor heart attack, which brings his <laughs> mother to town, <laughs> and it completely upends the Morgendorfer household. This episode aired on July 21st, 1999, and it was written by Dan Weber. This is the first of only three Daria episodes Weber wrote, uh, but if you were taking in media at any point in the late 90s or early 2000s, which I was sometimes, um, chances are <laughs> that you have seen something of his. Um, Weber wrote for The Simpsons, Futurama, American Dad, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One of those things is not like the others, but <laughs> um, but I'll leave it up to you, dear listener, <laughs> to figure out which one I'm referencing. <laughs> but I, I will kind of Kramer in here to note that Weber only wrote two episodes of Buffy, but those episodes were Lover's Walk and The Zeppo. It's hard to top that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I went to the internet to refresh my memory on these two episodes, <clears throat> and <laughs> I, I've got to say, when you reread, when you read the synopsis of a Buffy episode, it's like, what? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, I watched this. It, it made sense. <laughs> it's Buck Wild. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> So I've always tried to articulate this. There's something that I find fascinating. And like, you know how you'll see a movie trailer and it, you know, if it's not one of those trailers that just like spells the entire movie out for you, it's a trailer that'll like, it'll have all these different shots and all these different things happening and all these different scenes and, and these lines and these, you know, obviously depending on like, you know, action scenes or set pieces or, or just this giant tangle of things and there's this inherent feeling of like, I don't really care to see the movie, but I really want to know how all of that fits into one cohesive thing. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the trailers say it better than the movies do. <laughs> yes. We already drifted super far off track. That's well, my bad. you know, that, it's that kind of <laughs> night. And, you know, we have limited socializing so that's true <laughs> this, this is our social life rob <laughs> <laughs> okay that was true of me before the quarantine so <laughs> yeah well <laughs> kind kind of me too actually <laughs> <laughs> welcome to morgan dorks <laughs> You know what I just realized is that we totally forgot to, or I say we, I totally forgot to drop the songs into the uh, into the beat by beat. Oh no! That's all right. So I think what I'm, I think what I'm going to do just after we got a um, a listener writing in about how they loved 
the music references in the BPD. Yeah. Yeah. So I think- uh, Shame, Rob. I know. (laughs) Jesus. It's always, I need to stop this habit where I like, I'll write the beat by beat and then I'll drop in the songs. Because it's, I don't know, I get into a rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much easier to write the beat by beat and then go back later and not be juggling between like a million screens, you know? (laughs) Totally. Totally. So I think we're going to keep, we're going to keep the songs in there. Uh, It's just, it's going to, probably be a little bit different. Like I'll probably go through and, and after we're done with the beat by beat of the scene, I'll read out what the songs were or I'll try to keep up with it. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Either way, you're going to hear what the songs were. So, all right. (laughs) Speaking (laughs) of the beat by beat. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of the beat by beat, maybe we should get into that. Probably. Uh, and I guess we didn't figure out who should be reading it, but I can take it if go for it's it. my writing. So you, it so is you your writing and I am terrible <laughs> at reading your writing apparently. <laughs> well, you don't like 50 word long sentences? What's your problem? <laughs> I, I do not. <laughs> Poet here. <laughs> <laughs> Brevity. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> there once was a lady from Lawndale. Um, <laughs> We open at Lawndale High, where Jane and Daria are discussing the comedic merits of puppets when their conversation is interrupted by Mental in the Morning, which seems like your typical morning zoo radio show. Daria and Jane are, naturally, unimpressed, but Ms. Lee is thrilled they will be broadcasting from Lawndale High for the entire week. Uh, I'll note that Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses is playing as the DJs arrive at the school. During dinner at the Morgendorfer residence, it's Taco Tuesday, hell yeah, uh, Jake is... <laughs> is piling guacamole into a taco shell. That's a huge bowl of guacamole, by the way. It's an enormous bowl of guacamole. It's it's like a family size pasta (laughs) portion from like Olive Garden. Which seems crazy because you don't like, you don't really save, like guacamole doesn't save that well. No, no, they're going to eat all of that guacamole. (laughs) Good for them, man. Avocados are expensive. They're not hurting. <laughs> Certainly not. Uh, Jake is piling guacamole into a taco shell while Helen is having her usual business call, and she is deeply unhappy to be interrupted. She snips at Jake for using too much cheese on his taco, apparently something he's been warned about by his doctor, and things escalate quickly from there. Jake starts getting worked up, he's yelling, his face is red, he's sweating, and he promptly has the old television-style heart attack, which has its own TV tropes page, uh, face first into the giant bowl of guacamole. There is, I feel like the TV tropes page is going to be referenced a lot in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess we're going to bounce around a little bit here, but it should probably not go without mentioning that while basically every television heart attack looks the same, there's like gasp- gasping and redness and sweating and pain in the left arm and this dramatic collapse, real life heart attacks vary wildly in their presentation. And you know, on top of that, uh, a lot of the stereotypical signs of heart attack present primarily in men. So like the experience can be totally different for women. But because society and pop culture haven't really told us about that, it's very possible to be a woman in the middle of a heart attack who doesn't realize she's having one. 
Yeah, there are actually a lot of good articles that have come out recently about the the symptoms of a heart attack as they present in women. And I definitely encourage women to look them up. Um, but nausea is a big one. <laughs> but it turns out that the pain of a heart attack is on par with that of menstrual cramps. So I guess we're just used to the pain. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I know it's really sad and it's just you know one of those examples of how you know medicine is really biased in a lot of ways (laughs) against women you know well there there are a lot of things that people don't know about women's bodies (laughs) because (laughs) medicine (laughs) yeah so these radio DJs these radio mm-hmm. DJs, uh, first of all, I believe one of them is called Spatula Man. Right, right. Spatula Man, go on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty stereotypical, and we'll get into it uh, actually during the cultural context, um, but this is your pretty stereotypical morning zoo kind of show, uh, as we mentioned. And I feel like maybe, I feel like maybe the craft has kind of died off. I don't know if it's still all that popular. Is morning zoo, that's not a term that I have actually ever heard before. I've I've heard shock jock. Um, yeah, so shock jock and morning zoo kind of get, they're considered kind of interchangeable. I feel like shock jock is a bit more like Howard Stern-ish. Okay. And we'll, we'll get to Howard Stern a little bit later. Uh but I feel like shock jock is is more in the vein of like I'm saying stuff because it is controversial or taboo or uh, going to piss somebody off. Whereas morning zoo is just kind of like they say some offensive things, um, but it, it's it's also you know primarily geared around like zaniness and comedy and you know stuff lots like of sound that. effects. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Introduced by a guy who talks like this, you know, yes. stuff like that. Feels very on par for late 90s. Like I remember a, a lot of, you know, folks like these floating around media in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, definitely. Of course, I can't name any of them. But no. it is <laughs> That's how definitely fade. a recognizable character type. Yeah. <laughs> recognizable trope. Stereotype. <laughs> Whatever you want to say. So did you <laughs> did you ever have uh, radio DJs come to your school? No. <laughs> no. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe it was something that happened in college. Do you remember? I, I have no idea. But did you? The college radio station definitely had like field day stuff and whatnot. Or like they had people out there during like, you know, celebrations and whatnot. They would have they would have a booth there. Uh, Mm -hmm. but in eighth grade, we had a set of radio DJs come to our school for like a field day. It was right before graduation. So it was like a a field day graduation kind of thing. Just a big celebration sort of. You'd spend all day just walking around outside and playing games Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I wore my, uh, I wore my seven up shirt, which was made popular at the time by a a commercial where this guy was really jazzed about seven up and he, he made a shirt that proposed his new slogan, which was make seven up yours. 
but the front of it said make seven and the back of it said up yours. Uh, first of all, I somehow got away with this shirt in eighth grade. <laughs> but secondly, I wore it to this field day thing. Uh, I handed one of these radio DJs my yearbook and that's how I have make seven up yours, baby, in a 30 something year old man's handwriting in my eighth grade yearbook. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing that you handed him your yearbook at all. <laughs> yeah, why not? Just to see, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, handing people your yearbook is like a painful experience, <laughs> generally. <laughs> but you just went for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it was. I mean, it was the eighth grade yearbook, and the eighth grade yearbook was like charitably. <laughs> it could charitably be considered a yearbook. Very short. Nowhere near as involved in terms of production or scope. Staple binding or... <laughs> they, they splurge for the hardcover. Oh. But I will tell you that it was uh, maybe a quarter inch thick. All right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, how many kids were in your class? So I think I want to say around 400. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Somewhere around there. I know I graduated with 400. In your eighth grade class? Oh my God. You know how many people were in my eighth grade class? Okay. Yeah. But you went to school in like Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. There were like 30 people. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, it obviously was bigger in high school because I went to a regional high school, but like 30 people. (laughs) (laughs) We had a school marm. I feel like this is this is the detail that that explains so much about me. <laughs> Abs- absolutely. <laughs> anyway, we should probably get back to the beat by beat. <laughs> I love that. I love that your class had thirty people. Mine had four hundred, and we still probably came out knowing about the same number of people. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, the, the, you you really only have the capacity to connect with so many people. Yeah. And not have your Five. brain explode. Um, yeah. <laughs> Five. That sounds about right. <laughs> uh, we've gone on the record as saying that we all, you know, we respect Helen's hustle. Mm-hmm. Isn't she being kind of rude here, though? You mean interrupting Taco Tuesday? Right. And just like standing right next to the table during dinner, like chatting uh, about I mean, business on the phone. I, I, are you really surprised? No, I'm not surprised. Well, I guess I'm... Clearly, you're a bit surprised if you're bringing it up. <laughs> I just, I feel like I'm just especially noticing it now, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it is very much on brand, but for some reason this time around, it, it's striking me as like particularly egregious, you know? I think it might be because she is like right next to the table and, and pacing back and forth. It's kind of... um. I feel like it's a bit of a strange view for w- yeah. where where the the camera is, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I I I think it's totally in line with Helen. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's out of line. I just think it's or I don't think it's like out of character. I just think it's a little it's a little rude. It's Taco Tuesday. Take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where your heart is, so. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I I do think, and I swear we we will eventually get off of this scene, um, but uh, I 
do think there's something pretty sweet about how like obviously concerned Daria is when she sees that Jake is in serious trouble. Yeah, I think that something that carries throughout this episode is Daria's concern and just how touching everybody's reaction to Jake's heart attack is. Yeah. But yeah, here particularly, you know, it's clear that Daria is upset. <laughs> yeah. Also, last thing I'll note, uh, way too soon, 20-year-old episode <laughs> of Daria to be talking about heart shit. Is particularly relevant for you. I mean, if, yeah. if you know, our audience has not heard. <laughs> <laughs> Rob just went through heart surgery, so yeah, open heart surgery. So there's that. Yeah, I keep. So it was. I almost thought about making it part of this episode, but I keep meaning to do like a, you know, a brief little side thing, just kind of like explaining all of that and like getting it out in some form, you know. Well, maybe, maybe it can be kind of a, um, like an extra episode after this one. I think that would be appropriate. Yeah. I don't know. I might like appendix to Jacob Hart's get it. (laughs) Appendix. Huh? Uh, Okay. I like it. It's a body part. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I'm so glad we could share this moment. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, all right. We cut directly from Jake going face down into the guacamole to the hospital where it's revealed he's had a, quote, very mild heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Jake's room, Helen is talking about the next steps to living with a heart patient in the house while Quinn announces she intends to become a cardiologist. Uh, Helen asks Jake if there's anything they can get him, and he says he would like his mother. So we're going to meet Jake's mom. Uh, Back at Lawndale High, Daria and Jane are discussing this development when they're approached by the DJs who are still prowling the campus. It goes very awkwardly. Uh, We're then magically transported back to the Morgendorfer residence where Quinn's wearing a stethoscope and Ruth has arrived. She decides to spend her first few minutes in the house trashing all of the Morgendorfer women because someone like Jake doesn't just happen. Uh, We can immediately see conflict on the horizon and that's the end of Act One. That's a lot of things that happen in <laughs> that yeah, part of the episode. There's a whole lot of like snapping back and forth in this episode from a bunch of different locales. So this is what I'm talking about with you know how it's touching that you know everyone's reacting you know in different ways to Jake's heart attack and Quinn. Her way of coping is to start studying medicine which is is totally in line with her her need to control, right? But we also get a reference to Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. (laughs) Heck yeah, 90s. (laughs) A show that I believe was set in your hometown. (laughs) (laughs) May as well have been, right? Uh, Yeah, I I remember my parents loved Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. We used to watch that a lot. Very good, proper late nineties. Yeah, it took place in the late nineties in my town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it is. You know, Quinn copes with the copes with her father's heart attack by studying medicine. Helen, you know, just immediately goes out and gets a book that you know she's trying to f- figure everything out by reading the rules, basically. <laughs> Right. And then and and then when there's the um 
it, when Ruth says, didn't you get him a bell? <laughs> Helen says, this doesn't say anything about a bell. <laughs> it's perfect. It's exactly what Helen would say, of course. <laughs> uh, I will say that during my recovery, I did not have a bell. Yeah, well. That's probably for the best. Probably. I don't think you would have used it. Would you have used it? <laughs> no, almost certainly would not have used it. <laughs> Can't you train the cat to go get what you need? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> or at least bother Sheila when you need something. <laughs> That's the thing. It was, yeah, you know, she, she took a week off. She took the week off for when I was in the hospital. And then she took the week after that off to like be around here for when I would need the most help. And then I proceeded to basically sleep for all but like three hours of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and she was bored. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's, so let's, okay, song list is relevant once more. Uh, How I Could Just Kill a Man by Cypress Hill is playing during Daria's first encounter with the DJs. I, I should, I'll say it now because we're reading pretty much directly from it but uh and i'll say it again at the end of the show but special thanks to outpost daria reborn for <laughs> this song list coming in super handy now that i haven't you know done my actual job I'm like you get going paid to, yeah that's a good point <laughs> i get paid in i get paid in social media adoration you really do <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Dork's fans are awesome. They really are. You do you do respond to Facebook messages and Sometimes. comments now and then. Yeah. I deleted my Twitter account, so you know That's just for the best. Yeah. If it's not on my phone, you know, I don't have Twitter on my phone, so Yeah. Yeah. So once in a while I chime in on Facebook, but mostly you you respond so quickly that I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's always fun when I'll go in, I'll like, I'll see a conversation with a fan that happened and then I'll look at it and be like, I don't remember writing that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like when I finally check my phone or my, you know, my computer at like nine o'clock at night, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> I can interact with people. <laughs> That's the spirit. So like when you say RP here, <laughs> yeah. like do you really need to say that? <laughs> I, well, okay. It feels weird sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> I definitely try to make sure to never, because it's it would be easy to fall into it on social media. I try not to make it feel like I'm the host and you're the co-host, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like we are co-hosts. Like, we invest equally in just the actual, like, the speaking parts of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the speaking parts, yes. <laughs> you do a lot of work. <laughs> it's it's behind-the-scenes stuff, though, and it's stuff that I enjoy. So, like, you know, it's it's whatever. But I, I, you know, from the beginning, I very much not wanted to feel like, hi, I'm your host, Rob, and with me here is Nissa. Because I'm always here. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and so I try to like, I try to reinforce that line, you know, on, on social media yeah. sometimes just by making sure that I'm not speaking for both of us. Well, sometimes I say fuck it and just, <laughs> and just speak for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. And I appreciate how conscious you are of that 
um, I'm, I'm teasing you, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, and really, and really making fun of myself (laughs) because I'm basically just oblivious most of the time. I mean, Hey, (laughs) first of all, it's gotten you this far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've survived. So yeah. Secondly, Ken vouch being oblivious, pretty awesome. It, this rock is pretty awesome, you know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's cozy and cool under here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, so Act Two opens in Lawndale High, where Mister O'Neill is trying his best, but he's not really getting through to his students while these radio folks are making announcements over the intercom. It it is a quote sex announcement, <laughs> uh, and we. Like, you know, in or just before it, I should say, we hear uh, I Can't by Foxy Brown, which, first of all, hell yeah, Foxy Brown. But yeah, it's a sex announcement over the intercom of a high school. That's solid work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Morgendorfer kitchen, Helen and Ruth are cooking, or more accurately, Helen is cooking and Ruth is watching over her like a hawk, which is maybe necessary because Helen says she's cooking chicken and Ruth points out she's cooking fish. Uh, up in Quinn's room, she's reading a cardiology textbook and having a whole lot of trouble with how gross medicine is. Off in the Morgendorfer master bedroom, which I think this is like the second time we're seeing it, the other time being in the musical episode, Daria walks in on Ruth trying to feed Jake. Uh, Ruth departs briefly and Jake starts lamenting the fact that life is short and could end at any minute. He's caught up in wondering what might happen to his family after he's gone and Daria's doing her best to remind him that the sky is not falling. Then Ruth comes in and declares she's ready to give Jake his sponge bath, and we all just kind of peel back from our screens and suck air through our teeth for a while. That's exactly what I did. (laughs) 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 But we have to appreciate that she's feeding him in bed while he's wearing a lobster bib. (laughs) Yes. the, The details really... Really nail it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, as I said, I respect Helen's hustle. I think we have gone on the record many times saying that we respect the work that Helen puts into this household. I don't know what to say about the fact that she couldn't tell the difference between raw chicken and fish. It is, yeah, pretty <laughs> disturbing. I'm pretty sure when I looked at the screen, I thought it was beef. But, yes. you know, that's cartoon meat for you. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's a quote. <laughs> oh, that's cartoon meat for you. It always looks more appetizing than it is in real life. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> like the way that people eat like chicken legs or something on in <laughs> cartoon. It's like, oh, yeah, that looks that looks really delicious and it's way harder to eat a chicken leg than that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to stick the whole thing in my mouth and then pull it out and just have a clean bone. <laughs> well. Oh, well, that's a, all right. <laughs> Let's make sure that doesn't get, take it out of context. <laughs> um, you have your moments too. You know, I have my moments. Yeah, you have your I moments. I guess so. It's, you know, <laughs> it's. It's all blackmail, and we're just putting it out on the internet. (laughs) 
Uh, I do like Daria's comment to Quinn as she's going through the cardiology textbook. Maybe you should start off with something easier. Many coloring books have pictures of hearts and rainbows. <laughs> uh, uh, I will also note that a little bit more serious here. I'll note that. So the scene in the master bedroom is absolutely within the normal realm of Jake's you know, pretty wild mood swings. We've talked about those a lot in the past, but it should be noted. Uh, Many heart patients, uh, especially those who go through significant procedures, do experience something of an emotional roller coaster in the weeks that follow. You know, depression is very common. They warn you about that a lot, believe me. And mood swings are very common. Um, and you know, speaking personally, I can vouch for that myself. Like I uh, didn't realize it at the time, but I was pretty depressed after <laughs> after surgery, and I'm still dealing with some of the the mood swing stuff. It's really kind of crazy. So is that particular to heart surgery or is that something that people who go through major surgeries, you know, experience? So I would, I would place pretty good money on, on depression and mood swings being a thing in people who go through major surgeries in general. I haven't done the research into it, but what I will tell you is that it is particularly prevalent in, in, uh, heart patients. And it's, it's kind of a bizarre thing. Like it's very symbolically appropriate, right? Uh, yeah. And it's, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, and you know, it's, it, part of it is a matter of, you know, when you go through a, a serious procedure, like Jake had a, Jake apparently had a stent put in, which is not a particularly major procedure. It, it is relatively minor. In fact, it can be done through catheterization and, and the fact that, Jake is like right back in bed the next day tells me that his his was a catheterization which is pretty much uh if you're you know if you're in the states or you're following the election at all like Bernie Sanders had a very mild heart attack you know months ago uh they put in a stent through a catheter and he was back to campaigning you know only a couple days later and that's very much you know that's that's pretty accurate you recover from catheterization stuff pretty quickly but you know, there's still a level of, and it was something that I, I didn't really figure out how to articulate uh, immediately, but it is, it is trauma. Like it's very controlled trauma. Uh, it's, it's about as controlled as trauma gets, but it's still trauma. It's still going through a major thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you leave yourself vulnerable and, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that vulnerability doesn't just end after the procedure. So, right. You know, it make it yeah. totally makes sense. Yeah. So there was like a, I don't know, there was probably like a solid three weeks after the surgery where like I would, I would get in the shower and I'd be sitting there listening. Like we have a Bluetooth speaker for the shower to just play music and stuff. And I'd be listening to music and uh, a song would come on. It wouldn't matter what song, it, but it would happen once every shower. And like one time it was fastballs the way, no, <laughs> just particularly relevant to, to this podcast, um, but it was fastballs the way and I, no explanation whatsoever, just immediately started bawling my eyes out, could not control it whatsoever. Uh, and that happened like once every shower for like three weeks to a wild variety of songs. <laughs> And it just I laugh, away. but then, you know, I, I, no, it's totally. Funny, it's it's but... hilarious. Like it's ridiculous. It's also really weird. And, you know, to go through it, it, it feels like, 
you don't understand it when you're going through it. And then you get, you know, you get a little bit past and you're like, oh no, you know, that's, that's just my body. Like (laughs) it's my body and my mind, like figuring out the new normal and kind of coping with what has happened. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. It's it's bizarre. It's really, it's really something. And it doesn't really, it, it doesn't happen until you take that step back and you become a bit more informed and have that perspective, you know, that, that you can actually piece those things together, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, this is just going to be a little bit of a longer podcast, guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) Because Rob gets to talk about his heart. I get to tell, I get to, I mean, there's a lot of fascinating stuff in this episode and there's a lot of fascinating stuff to just talk about in general. Um, so, so the fact that I was depressed after surgery, I had no idea until probably a couple months later and Sheila pointed it out because she, you know, she mentioned like, Hey, you know, you were, you just laid in bed for like all but a couple hours of each day, even after you were actually physically capable of getting around, you know, you, you didn't, you weren't playing a lot of video games. You weren't really, you weren't going on social media. You weren't, you weren't doing anything. You weren't interested in anything. You weren't really talking to anybody. You didn't want to talk to anybody. You like actively avoided (laughs) talking to people. Um, and that's all stuff that you don't really notice when it's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And, at the time, it's like it's kind of easy to write it off. I'm like, well, I'm I'm home alone during the day. There isn't a whole lot happening. I'm just going to kind of lay here and watch Bon Appetit videos on YouTube for <laughs> six hours. <laughs> At no point during that do you feel like, oh man, I'm really down, or you don't get like sad. But it's it's just a it's a listlessness. It's a lack of motivation to be involved with life. Yeah, and and. The screen is is definitely an opiate that contributes to that. <laughs> sure, sure. Speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird. And it's great that it was pointed out to me because it's something that I don't know I would have figured out. You know, I think I would have just kind of gone through the whole thing like, yeah, well, you know, recovery was fine. Felt great the entire time. And, uh, and you know, it really didn't. And it's okay to talk about that and to mention that and to bring that up and, and to explain, you know, your own experience with it. And all this comes back around to, Hey, you know, uh, Jake is being very Jake here, but for once there is, you know, sort of a, there can be an underlying cause to it aside from his own childhood issues, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, are justified you know, yes. in this episode. So <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot to Jake here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now that I've taken us off course for 10 straight minutes about my own bullshit, um, I guess we should. <laughs> Over at Lawndale High, the DJs are trying to find a quote, love match for Upchuck. Uh, they're offering a bumper sticker to any lady willing to go on a date with him and the ladies of Lawndale High decide they are above that shit. We then get a look at Jake's recovery, which is not going particularly well. He's punching the bed in anger because it won't offer him lumbar support. Uh, Ruth brings up Jake's father, and somehow that doesn't calm the situation. 
down in the living room, Quinn is playing Operation. Oh my God, she's wonderful. While <laughs> Helen is, is trying to redecorate so she can shove her home's beautiful new look in Ruth's face. Daria is spectating the chaos, marveling at the fact that one, when the phone rings, Quinn doesn't care about it. And two, when it turns out to be Helen's office calling, Helen doesn't care about it either. Daria heads upstairs to Jake and Ruth, who have actually started a bond over their mutual understanding that Jake's dad was a total asshole. Uh, They feed into each other, getting one another more and more worked up until Ruth's chest starts bothering her and she starts feeling faint. And back downstairs, Daria goes to announce Jake's probably not the only heart patient in the house anymore. And that's the end of Act Two. So there is a lot in that that we could unpack. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my Um, God. And so maybe we should start at the top with the DJs. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you know, them trying to find a love match for Upchuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about um, just how just how much this episode, like the two storylines of the heart attack and the, the DJs just seem to fit so well together. Mm-hmm. And and I think this is where it it comes to me that like that Jake is going through this like stereotypical dad storyline, you know, where he's repressed a lot of shit and he's and <laughs> and now and now he has a heart attack and you know in comes the meddling mother-in-law. Um but but like Jake is is suffering because he's expected to conform to a certain kind of masculinity. And then we have these DJs, which are like a caricature of that kind of masculinity. And, and it's That's just a really being good point. projected then onto these high school students like Upchuck. <laughs> and, and we have the girls in the audience that are just like, no, no, this <laughs> like, sucks. Yeah, this shit is is bogus. <laughs> you know, it's 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 only them, you know, that that really push back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what's on my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good man. That's a really good point. <laughs> I do think you know you're. It's another example of basically every male character in this show being some level of gross or incompetent. Mm-hmm. The word dipshit comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about right. But with Jake, at least, you know, it, it has been hinted uh, at at the past. And, um, you know, this episode really um, digs into the the cause of why Jake is the way he is, you know? <laughs> and, and so, and, and so it's like, you know, we can sympathize with this dipshit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like the, the glimpses we've gotten of his childhood have been obviously through his lens, which you, you have to take with a grain of salt. And what Ruth being here does is it gives us this like crystal clear look <laughs> At, mm-hmm. at what I mean, obviously, it's coming through her lens too. So you know, another grain of salt, I guess. But you know, these two have a very similar view of the man that Jake's dad was, and it's not a very good one. 
and it was clearly not a good household and they've both been impacted by it in a significant way. Yeah, it just takes a little while to pull that out of Ruth, you know, get yes. that, that confession. Uh, and we uh, will we'll chat about it just uh, briefly a little bit later, but I think, you know, using Ruth in this regard where when she came in, she was your stone cold, like classic mother-in-law type and, you know, it, it flips almost immediately, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe over the span of like a day or two in, in quote unquote show, the show's time. But it's it's really clever. It's done well, uh, and you know the fact that we're getting this this glimpse into Jake's childhood is is nice. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it it adds some substance to it, uh, where before it was almost satirical. You know. Yeah, I keep thinking about Daria the musical um, in relation to this episode and the song that Jake and um, Trent sing <laughs> about masculinity <laughs> um, it comes to mind here. You know, um, that Jake is is trying to, to be a different kind of man and, you know, express his feelings and, and pinpoint those places of trauma. And, and his mother has been, you know, silent, I suppose all this time and, and, and holding in her own feelings. So like you, you finally put them in a room together (laughs) and and Jake kind of wins out here, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Kind of along those lines when Ruth collapses onto the bed and Jake just starts cursing at the sky. (laughs) (laughs) See what you've done, old man. How many more lives, dad? Well, I mean, she remembered that she was given an allowance. <laughs> what the fuck is that about? Like, and, I mean, that was definitely a thing for for a long time. That is, I oh my, it's insane to me. <laughs> but I mean, you know, women <laughs> for a very long time, you know, women didn't hold property. I guess I should I should amend my statement. It's it's insane to me. It is also extremely believable. Right. Also, I, I just Googled it and apparently allowances are still a thing in marriages. <laughs> cool. So there's that. Cool. Although I think I, I think that a lot of times it's more um <clears throat> uh, more of a like both my husband and I have allowances. <laughs> so Okay, yeah, that makes so sense. So there's hope, I suppose. <laughs> But I'm trying to think. I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the conversation that would have to go down for me to say to to my partner, "Hey, here's 250 bucks for the next few weeks. Try not to spend it all too quickly." Yeah. And, and the look I would get back. It wouldn't go well. Like, who the fuck are you? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, but then imagine if your partner didn't have a job how that power dynamic would play out then yeah it, it, ugh, ugh. which is you know which is what ruth is has probably gone through right judging from Absolutely. the way that she talks to quinn but also apparently some of the people on google are also experiencing because the one of the search uh things that come up is like uh allowance in marriages for housewife so, aye, aye, aye. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
I'm I'm just gonna be quiet in my rage right now. There's we could just end it like the the outro music could play right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but there's more episode, so there is there is more episode. Hell, there's more of this scene to talk about. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. Did you guys have Operation when you were growing up, or did you ever play Operation? Oh yeah, yeah. All the time. Oh, it was so fun. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it really was. I looked into it. Operation has sold around 45 million copies, has a current franchise worth of $40 million. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it really is. I mean, (laughs) it's a great game. (laughs) It is. It's so simple, but so good. That wishbone, man. (laughs) Oh, my my God. I love that you remembered exactly which one it was, too. Fucking wishbone. Is the wishbone, I think the the funny bone, I think was also pretty hard. Yeah, that was pretty hard too. But it, the wishbone was really. The, yeah. Yeah. Because it had those like two prongs on either and they didn't give you like there was no wiggle room there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, one last thing for, for this. Um, actually, two, two last things for this. Uh, one to very briefly, I promise, very briefly go back to uh, cardiac recovery. There is a point. No matter how comfortable your bed is, you will believe it is the least comfortable thing on the planet. Oh, yeah. I, I felt the same way when recovering from my C-section, which, you know, is also major surgery. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, actually, I felt that way when I was pregnant, too. Probably more so when I was pregnant. <laughs> so my bed is very comfortable now. It's the same bed. <laughs> <laughs> Glad it finally came around, man. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> was being a jerk for a while there. Yeah. Um, Got to get that shit in line. <laughs> Give that bed an allowance. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's amazing how how quickly you just get tired of of yeah. laying in your bed. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then finally, for this scene, like we've we've come down on on other episodes for not giving Daria more agency. And through two acts, this episode, let's be real, doesn't have a very good track record. And nowhere is it more apparent than these scenes in the Morgendorfer household where Daria is just kind of like bouncing back and forth between rooms and just sort of bearing witness to whatever crazy shit is happening. But thus far, it's working. I kind of don't care. Yeah, I I think in this episode, I'm okay with it. Because you sometimes crazy shit just happens to you kind of happening to us right now. Um, but, <laughs> and you can't do anything but bear witness to it. And when you're a teenager and have limited agency within your family, like this burden is particularly heavy. So I'm cool with it. I think this episode is is doing it well, like doing all the tropes well and and making it so that you know, Daria isn't lost in all of this. And you're and you know you're raising you're raising a very good point here that like it kind of underscores you know Daria is about to talk about kind of how helpless she feels in the face of of what she saw like her father had a heart attack in front of her like we we play it off for laughs kind of because he falls into the guacamole or whatever you know in part because Daria doesn't really uh, wear that trauma throughout the episode all that much but you know the, the the way in which she is kind of getting bounced back and forth between these scenes sort of underscores that helplessness that she's feeling, you know, 
even if we can't get a direct glimpse at it until you know the next scene, it's still there. It's still serving a purpose. And I, I imagine that being the introvert that she is, and it it takes a while to process that information and. And she is now not just processing that, but processing how all of her family members are reacting to it and worrying about them as well, clearly. So it's, um, she's reactive, but like, that's the point in this episode, you know? (laughs) So let's dive into to that a little bit because up in Jane's room at the start of act three, Daria explains to Jane that Ruth's chest issues were gas related. Um, they'd been there. No. <laughs> yeah, no word. <laughs> Haven't we all? I hear you. <laughs> uh, I'll also note that uh, Miss World by Hole is playing when we get uh, up into Jane's room. Anywho, uh, so they chat a bit about how the DJs at Lawndale High have made school very little of a refuge from the insanity of home. Uh, And speaking of school, we go right back there where the DJs are running another contest trying to get their students to tell them what gets them mental in the morning. Uh, Jeffy is working with them, (laughs) trying to scream about being mental in the morning with uh, Nas is Like by Nas playing in the background, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, For the third time this episode, uh, the DJs call on Daria. And as per the sacred code of the three beat, Daria decides to actually give it a go. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and play the clip here because it's it's very good. A few days ago, my father had a heart attack, forcing me to admit his mortality to myself for the first time. Accepting this grim new knowledge has been especially difficult as I've been under constant yammering assault by two utterly brainless and talentless so-called radio personalities. And so for these reasons, I, Daria Morgendorfer... And mental in the morning. Uh, as you might imagine, that leaves everyone speechless, and the DJs actually pack up and peel out, fleeing the scene. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, you mentioned the musical episode earlier, uh, and and you know, comparing how this episode is handling stuff versus how that episode is handling stuff, and. Our discussion of the musical episode uh, raised some questions and started kind of a side discussion over the difference between the writers trying to show us a character's vulnerability and what perceived vulnerabilities we ascribe to the characters ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. how much how much are we reading into how these characters are feeling versus what we're actually being told about it? And we do a fair amount of reading into things here, but it, it's pretty cool that like this time around we're not left with any questions you know it's it's uh this is a very brief you know little monologue that daria has but it's touching and it's interesting and and it's daria being so forthright about how this whole thing has impacted her and you know i i wish to some extent i wish that the it reminds me a lot of the misery chick except it, it's it maybe doesn't have the same kind of nuance that the misery chick had where you know throughout a fair chunk of the misery chick we got Daria acting really oddly uh and and being like a little bit more hostile and and just handling things you know in a way that we're not necessarily used to with her and we don't really get that 
this episode, kind of going back to what you were saying about the musical episode, like we we don't necessarily see what she's going through. Uh, and so where she arrives at the end of the episode isn't necessarily telegraphed quite as hard. But this moment is very good. But are you surprised by this moment? Like, are you surprised by what she says? I mean, I, no. I, I, I think, okay, so that's good. Because I, I feel like if we were, if we didn't see it coming, you know, and like we didn't get those threads early on, then this wouldn't, wouldn't have delivered, right? It wouldn't have been right. as effective, but, but those seeds were planted, you know, and, and it works here. <laughs> it definitely does work. I mean, it's not nearly as, as drawn out as the misery chick in terms of, you know, the weirdness, but also the, the monologue <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> It, you know, but um, but it's effective, I think. Yeah, and and it's not so much that um, I think that there is a good balance between between the the home life um, plotline and the school life plotline, where where what is kind of the realization. Uh, I don't. I don't know if realization is the the best word here, but I'm gonna go with it. Um, like the realization is like, oh yeah, like she is being bombarded. Like the school isn't a refuge, and you would think that it might be here. Um, like that really sucks for her. <laughs> yeah, you know. And she makes the point that like even under the best circumstances, this stuff is difficult to process. And she is getting far from the best circumstances right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Between, between Daria and Jake, it's, it's hard not to feel sympathetic, like really hardcore sympathetic for some Morgendorfers in this episode. Back at the Morgendorfers, uh, Ruth is back to being the Ruth we originally saw walk through the door. She's arguing with Helen over her cooking and trying to convince Quinn she doesn't need to become a doctor. She just needs to marry Rich. The scene's becoming ugly when Daria walks in and tears Ruth right the fuck down with like mm -hmm. two sentences, uh, pointing out that Ruth's trying to get Helen and Quinn to follow in her footsteps, despite admitting to Jake just yesterday that she regrets a number of her choices. Daria follows this up by going to check on Jake, who's feeling better. Uh, we should note that Your One by Imperial Teen is playing in the background. Jake is feeling better, but he's got a lot on his mind. In, actu in an actually touching little chat, uh, Jake reveals he's worried he's become exactly the sort of shitty father he had. Daria points out that Jake's not doing a bad job, and at the very least, he's doing better than his father was because his father was dead at this age. That perks old Jakey right up. <laughs> and the moment Helen and Quinn realize he's feeling better, they go right back to the Helen and Quinn we know. At the pizza place, we get our usual episode wrap-up, uh, this time set to Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by the Culture Club. <laughs> Uh, Daria is taking credit. The DJs are gone. Home life is back to normal. Things are looking pretty good. And then the DJs invade the pizza place yet again to the sounds of welcome to the jungle by guns and roses. Uh, and we roll credits this time to only God knows why by kid rock. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> it's a nice variety in the soundtrack. This yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this was a good soundtrack. Foxy Brown and, and 
Yeah, Foxy Brown, Cypress Hill, Guns N' Roses, Hole, Nas, Culture Club. I'm for it. I'm for all of it. <laughs> uh, I will note, first of all, the, the little... <laughs> I almost feel like it felt weird hearing Jake talk in a normal tone of voice. Mm. Like he yeah, just yeah. he he just kind of drops the over the top stuff and he's just like, Hey Daria, <laughs> like am I doing a good job as a father? Like it's very weird to hear, but it's also I don't know, it kicks it into into a seriousness that you're really not expecting out of him. Yeah, I think that's kind of um I, I think that we feel that even harder because um, Jake has been especially in your face lately. <laughs> yes. yes. He's been really over the top. So <laughs> so it, it is jarring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say on note here, uh, he tells Daria, it's just a little difficult when your first major organ decides to betray you. Word, dude. <laughs> I, feel, I feel that. Also, we've talked more than a few times about how dark Jake can get, but I don't know if he's ever thrown darker than my father was dead at my age, so I win. Well, it's like a really tangible marker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I get it. But <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm very familiar with the sentiment of like, oh, my father was dead at my age, so I need to make sure I'm taking care of myself. <laughs> Uh, stuff like that. I'm not terribly familiar with my father was dead at my age. So suck on that old man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like Daria really knows how to talk to her dad. (laughs) Yes. Really knows how to get through to him. And very much so. Yeah. She really, she really did it here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we mentioned a little bit earlier about how Ruth actually turns out to be kind of a surprise. But what do we what do we think about her overall? Because I kind of assume she would be a much more obnoxious addition to this episode, which I didn't remember a whole lot of this episode going into it. But you know, I mentioned it earlier. I think the way that Weber used her in here was pretty clever. Yeah, I I think that as I've said before, like tropes are really strong in this episode, but they're used really well. And she is the textbook case of the awful mother-in-law trope. Um, And she's everything that I expect her to be with the suit dress thing. I don't know what they're called because I don't wear them. (laughs) (laughs) But she's like the the, the grandmother in Gilmore Girls. Like that's what she reminds me of. Oh my God. You know, wow. <laughs> holy um, shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like there, there's the wealth there, um, yeah, and um, but like also the helplessness um, that's played out, uh, you know, in in how aggressive she is with everybody in her life. <laughs> um, Christ, that's very good. So, so like <laughs> it's textbook and. And I didn't hate it. Like I was, I was surprised that I didn't hate it because of how she is handled. The scene where she admits that that she also suffered under the rule of Jake's father. It was smart. And in the short time that we've known her, we see a pretty huge character development, in which, in turn, you know, which uh, a pretty huge character development, which in turn enables Jake's own growth. 
um, or at least I'm hoping it grow its growth. Um, anything <laughs> is better than watching Jake repeatedly slam into the brick wall of his own trauma <laughs> you know, just <laughs> over and over and over again. I mean, she yeah. does, you know, she does have that kind of like rubber band snap back where like she's back from her supposed heart attack, right? It's just gas. Um, and, and she's, she's the same as she was before until Daria takes her down again. Um, or not again, but Daria takes her down. (laughs) And, and so like, you know, we see her putting up those walls again after she's vulnerable, but I don't know. I just, I, I think that there's a reason that we have cliches. There's a reason that we have tropes, you know, there's it's shorthand that becomes like really effective when, when used well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in, in part of, it's a little bit disappointing when Ruth kind of rubber bands back to, you know, who she was, but also it helps highlight the change in Jake who is not immediately back to, you know, his, his own, like Jake experiences, you know, a, a, a change in attitude through this episode. And the Jake we get at the beginning of the episode is not the Jake that we get at the end of the episode. He's probably going to go right back to being the same Jake that we know in the very next episode. But in the span of this one, we see, you know, an example of you know what he was talking about to Daria, like, I want to be better than my parents were. And I think, you know, when we see how Ruth kind of rubber banded right back to being the person she was and was tearing into Helen and Quinn versus Jake sort of, you know, learning a little bit more and, 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 you know, taking time to reflect and maybe, you know, figuring a little bit more out in terms of, of not only, you know, the person he wants to be, but the parent he wants to be and the outlook he wants to have. We see all that kind of kind of manifest itself into a much peppier Jake, <laughs> a surprisingly happy Jake. You know, Jake is a good dad. Like, like you see what happens when there is finally some kind of uncertainty or instability with what is happening with him. And <clears throat> The women in his life, uh, you know, his wife, who is hugely independent and ambitious, and his daughter, who is strong-willed as well, um, you you know, they they all of a sudden, you know, go – their reactions are to nurture, you know, and in order to fix, right? Um, Helen – starts cooking meals <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and Quinn starts studying in order to take care of her daddy, you know, and, and, you know, once they know that he's okay and things aren't certain, they just go right back to being the strong willed people that they are because, you know, he, that's, he's been doing a good job, you know? <laughs> right. So it's, it's really interesting to see that that despite his upbringing, you know, and the trauma that he has experienced, he has cultivated a home that's that's exactly what he wants, you know. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. In reaction to that, to that poor childhood, you know. Yeah, 
Uh, one last thing to note in this beat by beat uh, is Daria saying, <laughs> Daria saying of Ruth leaving, I may have had a hand in her epiphany and Jane responding, I hope you watched it thoroughly. <laughs> Hands down, the <laughs> best lines in the show. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think now a full like hour and 15 minutes into our recording, Ooh. we are finally through our beat by beat. <laughs> Holy shit. I wonder, I might, I might not edit a whole lot out of this one. I'm kind of curious about how that's going to go. Uh, anyway, do we want to get to our cultural context? I suppose we should. <laughs> All right. So for this cultural context, this is going to be, we're going to try something a little bit different this time um, because I really tried finding something to like take a deep dive into and there's certain stuff, you know, like uh, did we want to talk about cardiac surgery for a long time? No, probably apparently not. we did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very good point <laughs> that I'm gonna that I'm going to completely ignore. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and or did we want to talk about like the popularity of radio, uh, uh, radio DJs, and and uh, what radio was like in the '90s and and early aughts and and there wasn't really anything necessarily to take a deep dive on. So I thought maybe we would just kind of talk about, <laughs> talk about our own experience with, with radio and, and growing up or, and, you know, growing up in the late nineties and early aughts in, in terms of how radio impacted our growing up, because mm. I think our generation is probably the last one to really like experience a world without like widespread internet radio and and streaming services and whatnot and things definitely changed you know right yeah do you want to start out by talking about your experience with radio <laughs> the role it played in your in your coming of age <laughs> <laughs> so the song what um <laughs> it's crazy to me that I, and I bet a lot of, a lot of people probably have the same, the same thing. It's crazy to me that I can remember the radio stations and call signs from the car rides with my parents. And, mm. you know, cause that's the thing is when you're a kid, you're in the backseat, you have no control over the radio. You may or may not have headphones. So for the most part, you're listening to whatever they want to listen to. And so you're listening to, you know, for me, it was listening to a lot of radio and, you know, we had cool 98.3, which was the oldies <laughs> station. That my I grandparents that, yeah. listened to. Yeah. So I would sit in the back of my my grandmother's like Oldsmobile Tornado or whatever it was and listen to Cool 98.3. And it's songs from like the 50s through the 70s or something like that. Um, and then we had a 96.9 WFPG, which was one of those like 80s, 90s today kind of stations. And that's what my parents listened to. They still listen to 96.9 uh, WFPG. Uh, and then you had 95.1 WAYV. And that was. That was like the pop station. That was for the cool kids. <laughs> uh, that was all, all the new music was on there. I remember the, the numbers. Like I remember that like uh, 100.3 was Y100. And that was the alternative rock station. Yeah. I guess you, I guess the, that's how they branded themselves. And um I think 100.7 was the 
classic rock station, but I can't remember what their their call was, you know, what their what their letters were. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Um Y one hundred was the the station that played a a large role in my adolescence because um they had the festival, um, which was the oh, music yeah. festival uh, that they had every summer um down at the Camden waterfront <clears throat> and and we would we went every summer you know <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and like that was like the major event you know <laughs> yeah i really what i would love uh what i would love to see uh in the in the wake of this episode is like i know we have a number of listeners who are in their late teens you know or or their early 20s people who were you know born after this show aired or, you know, were, you know, small children when it aired, I would love to know what their experiences were with radio growing up. I mean, they're still growing up, but uh, I would love to Aren't know. Aren't we all you, though? <laughs> yeah. Well, some, some more than others. Uh, <laughs> growing up, growing out, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm super curious how like the current state of the internet has changed those experiences. Like, are you familiar with all the local stations and call signs? Like, do you listen to morning zoo stuff? Like is it as popular <laughs> now as it was back then? And I just don't know because I'm an old person who's out of touch. Um, there's a, so there's this really neat uh, piece for the magazine courts by, uh, I think it's Amy Wong. Um, and she notes that, it's not as though radio's dying. It's still pretty popular. In fact, like 90% of consumers still listen to AFM, AM, FM radio weekly, uh, which is an insane number to me. Like I have no idea how that even happens. <laughs> but, um, a lot of people in America spend a lot of time in their cars. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So that's true. That. But to me, that's like, that's time for, oh, I'm going to throw on a CD or something like that, or, or I'm going to, you know, for a relatively newer car, like I'm going to, you know, connect it to my Bluetooth and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, rock Spotify or a podcast or something. Um, rock Spotify. (laughs) That's right. Hell yeah. Rock Spotify with my playlist. Music is kind of (laughs) boss. But there is a certain, like, like Spotify and Pandora are very much, you know, Pandora especially came up as a music discovery tool. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it came up as something, it was like a more focused version of radio where you would turn on radio and it's a very passive experience. You know, you it's a playlist curated by someone else and you have no control over it and it's broken up into intervals. Uh, and if you hear something you really like, you're like, Oh shit, I have to, you know, make sure that I, I listen to find out what that even was. And, and, um, boy, I wonder, you know, can I find that CD somewhere? Or can I find some other, those songs somewhere? Right. There's a lot of, of, investigation involved, you know, in, in listening to radio, um, at least when we were growing up. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You'd have to talk to people to figure things out. (laughs) (laughs) There were pay phones and you had to get a big yellow book and find the name in it. Um, we had beepers for Christ's sakes. Uh, so I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's, it was a very, it's a very passive experience and Pandora and Spotify have kind of made it more active, you know, mm-hmm. where you're, 
like Spotify now has has Discover Weekly, where it's just like, hey, you know, we figured out what you made playlists of, and like all the things that you enjoyed listening, and now here's some other shit that's really similar to that that we think you would really like, uh, which is what Pandora was and and still is, I think. You know, in in that sense, like there is still to some extent, it's a more active experience, but there is still a passivity to it where. Mm-hmm. You know, you're relying on these services to sort of curate themselves around you, but they're still curating themselves. You're not necessarily telling them what you want to hear unless you're specifically playing like your own playlist. You know? Right. It seems like a, a pretty good balance between, well, when I was in high school and listening to radio mostly, maybe buying some CDs once in a while. That was that was a mostly passive listening experience. And then, you know, I I received the information. But when I went to college and focused more on like downloading in you know downloading music. Um, Napster yep. and whatever. Um, <laughs> Napster and LimeWire. LimeWire, yeah, yeah, because all of those and more. Um, you know <laughs> that that was like me seeking out specific sorts of music, curating my collection, right? Um, and now, uh, now it seems like a good balance between the two. You know, I have. I have the things that I like and then some are recommended to me. <laughs> yeah. But I do find myself wanting the radio experience more. Like I don't want to have to make the decisions. I make so many decisions every day, <laughs> you know, that I don't, I, you know, to, to decide what I want to listen to is just another decision. Totally. I sound so lame. <laughs> no, they talk. So they actually, that is not at all. And that is not at all a unique thing. So like, and I, that, that almost sounded kind of. Thanks Rob. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but no, you're, you're not the only person who's, who's experienced that. So like in the, uh, in that piece for, for the magazine courts, like I was saying, um, they actually do cover, like that is a thing the, the, and they think, I think they refer to it as the tyranny of choice where mm. there's just so much out there you can access like you right now have more access to more music than any other <laughs> any other generation or or individuals have ever had and the sheer amount of stuff that you can discover like i guarantee you the album that i would like more than any other album on the face of the planet forever and ever i'm never going to listen to because it's buried in you know, it, it, it's buried among a million other completely anonymous albums and I'm just never going to find it because it's obscure, you know? So it's, it's definitely a thing where you're like, well, shit, do I want to dedicate my time and attention to this? Or do I want to listen to this thing? Because I know I like this, but I guess I should discover more things, right? I should become more well-rounded in my tastes. Um, yeah, I do like that, that, um, that active discovery or just like stumbling across something, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, being like, oh, I've never heard this before. Um, yeah. I love, I love that. I love that about radio. And um, that's something that I really liked about listening to 88.5 in, um, in Philly. And mm-hmm. 
like it's just such a weird station. What are the what's the <laughs> <laughs> what is what are the letters for that station? I can't remember. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Here, let me look it up right now. WXPN. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, WXPN is such a strange station. There's m- so many things, like, you know, so many styles of music that 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 show up on that station and and some sometimes it's just awful. <laughs> but but um a lot of times I'm just like pleasantly surprised. My dog is making really weird noises right now. That's all right. Aren't we all? <laughs> I will say that there's like, and, and radio has probably created more moments uh, like this than any other, any other art form, but like that feeling, uh, and you mentioned this, that feeling of, holy shit, this song is incredible. Where do I find more of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what album is this? Um, you know, there really is nothing else like that feeling. And yeah. especially- if you are, say, in your teens or your very early twenties, and like albums have a certain way of just sort of latching on to a period of your life and you know sticking with it, and that there's there's something to that. Like to me, of all albums, uh, "Hot Fuss" by The Killers and, and uh, "In the Airplane Over the Sea" by Neutral Milk Hotel, which mm-hmm. is an album that. Jeff actually described to me once as an album that just everybody gets obsessed with at one point. (laughs) It's very true. Yeah. I think that's completely accurate. And that's, that's one of my favorite albums and, and remains that way to this day. Uh, And I only ever started listening to it because it happened to be getting played in the publications office up at Rowan when I was working on layout stuff. Uh, I had never heard of it before. never heard anything like it whatsoever. And you know, out of nowhere, there's this guy who can't sing, but damn it, he's really trying very hard. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, moments like that are created more by radio than by probably anything else. And, mm. you know, that's that can mean a lot when you are cruising around, you know, cruising around town in a car with your friends, just listening to the radio. Do you still listen to the radio? I don't. Sheila does. Mm. Like around the house? No, no. For me, if I'm if I'm like putzing around the house, I'm listening to uh, podcasts uh, most of the time. Uh, but I will still. There is still that like spark of oh shit, this album needs to be playing at all times. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Like that happened with Lord Lord's second album, uh, Melodrama is it's a pop masterpiece and it's kind of a bummer that it didn't get as much play as her first album. Hmm. Uh, if you are at all interested in anything uh, even close to Lord, <laughs> but you haven't, but you haven't checked in, out that second album. In really anything should. ever. <laughs> yes. It's a great album. Uh, also Carly Rae Jepsen is a genius and more people, <laughs> more people need to know that emotion is one of the best pop albums of the last 15 years. Yeah, so so there is there is still that spark of like oh shit you know this album is incredible you know, who is this how do I find out more tell me tell me everything that used to take much more work on your end right. <laughs> as a consumer that's uh, true and and radio was kind of the thing that presented you with that little 
that little murder mystery, you know, that, that little, like, yeah, there's some, there, there's pleasure in that and in, in, in finding it and seeking it out. I can't even, I, I kind of reminds me, the whole experience kind of reminds me of, um, the difference between searching on the internet for a book, um, and or going, going to the library and just wandering through the stacks, you know, yeah, and absolutely. and just stumbling across something that catches your eye, you know. Um, there's something really magical um, and serendipitous about that that experience. Um, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. uh, I get and. You know, we, I, I wrote some things here that we should probably touch upon, but I don't know how much we really need to. I feel like we did a fair amount. Um, but yeah, that the the morning zoo thing, uh, other popular examples, especially at the time, would be like Bob and Tom, uh, Elvis Duran in the morning show. You mentioned Howard Stern. Uh, I think that would kind of fall into morning zoo. I, I consider him more of a shock jock, but it, it's like I said earlier, it's kind of interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, there's like the outrageous and ridiculous radio factor in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he and he has definitely held popularity for a long time. Yes. Yeah. God, there was a Howard Stern movie. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's hard not to <laughs> mention him when you're talking about you know radio DJs. Uh, we should also mention uh, the. <laughs> it's it's called the dumbass DJ. It has its own TV tropes page, um, and there are a few examples that leap immediately to mind. Specifically, like Bulldog from Frasier. That is your classic like '90s television dumbass DJ. That is your classic morning zoo type guy. But a a more recent and wonderful example would be Crazy Ira and the Douche from <laughs> Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Uh, I believe the douche played brilliantly by Nick Kroll. It's fantastic, but yeah, it is, it is its own thing. And it, it does feel very heavily rooted in like the nineties and early aughts. It's still around, but uh, it was an art form back then. <laughs> you're, you're so kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. Very is, generous. Uh, morning zoo, like, if you go ahead and Google Morning Zoo, it's almost exclusively talked about like these assholes, <laughs> these <laughs> worthless douchebags. <laughs> it's amazing how angry people are about Morning Zoo DJs. Yeah, well, I mean, who I I, I uh, do not know who wants to be bombarded with those kinds of personalities early in the morning. <laughs> I yeah. just I just don't get it. <laughs> we are not the target audience. No, we're not. <laughs> that radio station is playing nothing but Neutral Milk Hotel and Lord. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'm that target audience. Um all right. You probably either really liked or really hated this cultural context, but it was an experiment. <laughs> so there it is. Yeah, there it is. Take it or leave it. Please don't leave it. For the love of God, we love you. Um, <laughs> do we want to go into our episode ranking? Do we want to rank this episode? Yes. That said, I do not have a plan for this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's see. So I was actually, I had some thoughts and we'll see. Cause I feel like I, I came out of our beat by beat with a little bit more respect for this episode. I didn't think lowly of it whatsoever, but, uh, but I definitely think a little bit more highly of it. I hope that I was part of that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. As always, I, I appreciate, you know, I, I am hit with insights that I did not expect to get hit with, and it complicates my feelings greatly. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, so so here is what I would like to start with. Um, okay. I, as I mentioned before, when thinking about this episode, <clears throat> I keep thinking about Daria the musical and just how much better it does a lot of things that Daria the musical tried to do, but... <laughs> didn't do well because it was shoehorned into a musical. <laughs> like, <clears throat> like the whole, um, you know, Daria being like a more passive person, you know, or in, in this situation, um, sure. is, is done so much better here. <laughs> um, you know, because, you know, there's a reason for her to be stunned and to be like taking in all of this information, um, in a more passive, in a more passive way. So, yeah. So I think that, um, you know, it's not necessarily that Daria lacks agency here as much as it's ripped away from her. Right. Sure. Um, you know, Daria the musical tries to do that with, um, you know, a hurricane coming through the town, but I, but musical, right? <laughs> um, but also, um, you, you know, there, there, I had complained about how Daria in the musical, you know, she has a really anticlimactic end where, like she says that she's happy that she can wake up another day in this town and you know, it's weird, but okay. <laughs> like, like it's so anticlimactic, but, but you know, in this, in this episode, you know, she does have her moments where, where we see her grow, you know, we see her trying (laughs) and and you know the the punch she finally takes not a literal punch um towards her grandmother you know it shows us that like you know she's she's saying like hey you know back the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) Um, like there needs to be some change in this family generationally if if you know we want to survive right (laughs) um and i i just i just think i i just think it does it so much better (laughs) than daria the musical but that's probably clear from the fact that i i ranked it so lowly (laughs) <laughs> and so jake of hearts number 34 on our list <laughs> <laughs> at least <laughs> uh, i know it's a low bar to start at but I, I i'm i just keep thinking about this episode in comparison so starting no, there no, it's, i mean especially because that episode is so recent right right you know, I like I. I also compared this to the Misery Chick 
mm-hmm. which obviously it's way further in the rear view. Um, but I, I think there is a definite comparison to be drawn there. I don't think this episode is, is, I mean, it, it's unfair to say necessarily, but I, I, I don't think this episode is anywhere near as good as the misery chick. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I don't think it's a bad episode whatsoever though. So I'm looking, I'm looking at too cute. Now where is too cute? That's number 13. Ah, oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> so it's just below arts and crafts. It's just above monster. Uh huh. And when I think of too cute, I think of, this is an episode that, or when I think of too cute, I think of an episode that, uh, tried to say something very specific and did so in a very pointed way. Wasn't very subtle about it, uh, but was very entertaining uh, and and definitely covered something particularly relevant. Mm-hmm. Did what it set out to do. Didn't really push a whole lot harder against that, but you know, did what it set out to do. I think with with this episode, we have you know we have obviously the character of Jake, who has been kind of an afterthought for this entire season and has really not had many moments to shine in general. And uh, more often than not has just been kind of a punchline. <laughs> right. You know, for once we are, we are able to take him seriously and mm-hmm. we're able to see that he takes things seriously and is more than just this kind of aloof screaming, you know, ludicrous human being, you know, we see where he came from and why he is the way he is like we knew before but but now we get kind of a a a real glimpse at it uh through his mother and also perhaps more pertinently to this podcast like we get to see again uh vulnerability in one of our characters vulnerability in a character we care about you know daria goes through this episode you know she starts this episode very normally she ends this episode feeling pretty differently uh, you know, having experienced something very complex and very difficult and very challenging and, and pretty traumatic, I would say, and is forced to grapple with how difficult it is to process those things and how your environment probably has a, a, a big say in that, which by the way, you know, Jake had a lot of complicated things to process and apparently the environment he grew up in was not conducive to processing them whatsoever. Yeah, clearly not. <laughs> yeah. So I think when I, when I look at too cute, I say that's an episode that wanted to say something and said it and did it very well and wasn't particularly subtle about it. I think, you know, arts and crafts kind of fits in to that, you know, to that mold as well. Mm. So to me, I feel I obviously if, if you're going to argue for it, then we'll have a discussion about it. But to me, (laughs) I can't put this episode above arts and crafts. I also, (laughs) I also don't think it belongs all that far below it. Right. Okay. So, so I think the way that I look at this, and I, I see where you're going here. The way that I look at this is that this episode, Jake of Hearts, is is good TV. Like it is well written TV. <laughs> yeah. Like and Weber Weber is a very good writer. Yeah. Like it's just solid. Like I keep talking about the tropes. Like it hits all of the tropes, but it it doesn't do it in a way that is tired. You know. It, or or <laughs> I mean, it's 
they're they're the tropes have the expected details, but it just does it so well. And I I'm I don't think I'm articulating it well at this point of the night. <laughs> this has been a very long recording. Session. Yes, that's true. Um, but but I just I really appreciate the writing here and and I think that that does put it above too cute. Um, arts and crafts is. <laughs> you don't like arts and crafts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think that it. I think that this is just written a bit better. <laughs> um, I think that. Like it could, I think it could go just above arts and crafts because I think pinch sitter is delightful and, (laughs) you know, so there's that. (laughs) So my counter to that would be that I feel arts and crafts is a more Daria ass episode of Daria. Uh, Okay. Okay. This is, I mean, this is obviously an episode of Daria. And it does have some of some of the hallmarks. You do have, uh, you know, your your high school hijinks. You do have your oh boy, home life is is you know, why are adults all so fucked up? Like that kind of that kind mm-hmm. of vibe to it. Uh, but when you say this is a good episode of television, I agree. It is a it is a good episode <laughs> of television. I think it is it is maybe a better episode of television than Arts and Crass. I don't think it's a better episode of Daria than Arts and Crass. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, if you're going to be on that bullshit, we're just going to pull out. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it always comes down to that point, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, it's the, it's a ranking of Dari. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Is it that it's too late at night or is it that I, you're right? I'm not sure. (laughs) You know what? I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) You'll take this victory. Okay. So that leaves us with. Speaking of (laughs) (laughs) anticlimaxes. If you were hoping for a battle, folks. I just don't have it in me tonight. That was a little bit there. I don't know. I like that so far we have not been terribly combative with these. I don't know. There's a there's a sense of of camaraderie there. Yeah, no, we're very good at compromising. I think that's kind of just in our in our DNA or something. Yeah. We we don't like conflict. <laughs> Some would say it's a millennial trait, but Yeah. Hey, fine. <laughs> Fight me about it. Or don't. Please don't. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So that puts Jake of Hearts at number 13, just under Arts and Crass, just above Too Cute. I think that's good. Like, even even if there's some disagreement over, like, one or two spots in either way, I feel like that's a pretty good area for it. Yeah. So, all right. All right. So with that, I think we are, for the love of God, finally ready to wrap up this episode. <laughs> we started recording... Two hours and 15 minutes ago, guys. Uh, 
I was like, I got my son down at 7.30. We are gonna... <laughs> we're, we're gonna, gonna plow through this. this thing. Hell yeah. We're gonna be in bed by like 10.15. To be done. fair, we didn't actually say that this was going to be a short episode. Like, we didn't go into it saying that. No. Which is usually a jinx <laughs> to begin with, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what we get. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just what happens when everyone's forced to like work from home and be quarantined. Like I think well, you, you you kind of alluded to this earlier. It's just this is like some of the only talking that we're. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the casual talking. Like I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm like sitting in on meetings. You know. <laughs> yeah. Same. Awkward. <laughs> um. I'm I'm pausing for dance parties with my toddler. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about what's for dinner, but <laughs> Hey, those are important conversations. They are they're essential, you know. <laughs> dance parties are really important right now, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but other conversations, you know, freewheeling conversations. <laughs> freewheeling is a Good. That's a good word for this. (laughs) All right. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. Yes. Yes, it does. Check out our Patreon. Uh, you can sign up at patreon.com slash morgandorks for a buck a month. You can support our silly mission and listen to an unedited version of each podcast a few days before it airs. Uh, two things. One, I'm not sure the unedited version is going to be too different from the edited version this week. Uh, <laughs> Two, uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber uh, or you are thinking about being a Patreon subscriber and you've, uh, in light of you know skyrocketing unemployment and and you know the uncertain times we live in, uh, you either you know can't afford it or or don't want to spare it or anything. That no offense taken, please for the love of God, you know take care of yourself. Do yeah, <laughs> do whatever you need to do. No guilt there. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously, absolutely not a problem. We'll live. As always, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Morgandorks, email us at morgandorks at gmail.com, or check out our website, morgandorks.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Just search for us. We'll show up. Special thanks, as always, and especially this week, <laughs> to Outpost Daria Reborn. Uh, link is in the show notes. Right before we very finally wrap up, please, everyone out there, things are getting really really scary and really hinky and and it's it's a very uncertain time please be safe take care of yourself yes. take care of the people around you uh be mindful be socially distant <laughs> do all the things that we need to do to sort of get through this ugly thing together because there's a very good chance it gets much uglier and and yeah mm-hmm. and don't forget to get some fresh air yes go out for a walk just you know stay away from people but go out for a walk <laughs> Yeah. When you see someone uh, just cross the street, you know. Yeah. Yeah. For once it's for once it's not an accidental signal that you might be racist. <laughs> for once it's just good sense. <laughs> As always, thank you, Nissa. Hey Rob. Thank you. Really. <laughs> And thank you, listeners. Uh, We will see you again in two weeks for Season 3, Episode 10, Speed Trapped, here on Morgan Dorks. Do-do-do-do.
<laughs> oh my god, it's the forever episode. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. We fucked up so bad. <laughs> 